Blog Talk Radio. This is all is about all about wine. Talk dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert Ron. Ron. Basically, what we're doing this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast. And around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. That's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. All right. Good warm reception tonight. We like that. We had some rains here. In fact, this whole state of Florida gets rains in the afternoon, it seems like now. So. Yeah. Um, We have a tropical wave uh, heading this way, I believe, uh, um, off of the... East Coast. I, I saw it on the weather earlier this morning, or this morning, uh, this evening, uh, before for coming in here. And uh, there was some kind of tropical wave that they were watching, but there's no. It doesn't. It looks like it's too close to, to you know, it's gonna. It's not going to develop into anything. It's already here. So we're seeing yeah. some some rain effect from that. But uh, you've been getting rain, and it's been fairly dry on uh, in the center of the earth, of the earth, the uh, state. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Wow, I was thinking really globally there, um, but uh, just that is, um, normally it, it hits us about this time. But uh, didn't didn't have anything. Uh, I don't think any real rain today. If it was a drizzle, but uh, yeah, and you went through a shower. We, so we got a thunderstorm here about about five, I guess it was, or a serious thunderstorm. Uh, thunder. I mean, I didn't see any lightning, but some big time thunder and uh, yeah. that went through about five o'clock then it continued to drizzle and sprinkle and only stopped about well, about 10 minutes ago and look out the window here and it looks like it stopped yeah. now but uh yeah it's usually the pattern usually comes in from the east coast and builds up in the center of the state with the heat and you get dumped on major and then it moves this way and trickles off back out to the Gulf, but today's pattern yeah, they, was I read a while back, um, I was studying, uh, there's a there's a drone license thing you have to take for the FAA, and you have to learn about the weather and stuff, and I was reading about, you know, the the uh, wind effects and or the, the currents, and being in central Florida, you know, one day we could get the, the westerly flow and get the showers off the west coast, the next time we could get them off the east coast for the <laughs> Easter wind deal, and, or they just meet in the middle, and that's when you know the two sides get really angry and uh, yeah. they dump all over. It's not one or the other. But uh, it, I watched it. Uh, I watched some this morning about 10 a.m. and it was coming from the east, and then you know yesterday it was from the west again. So it's, you never know. It's just uh, you never know. But, uh, you just how the it spins the coast. You, you can get some really bad stuff over on on your side. Um, yeah, we just off we the do. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, I, well, we were playing golf uh, 
uh, yesterday, Wednesday, and uh, we was out there about 1 o'clock, and we heard some serious booming of thunder, and it was to the east of us, and we continued to play. It wasn't coming anywhere near us, and, you know, a few more booms, and it just stayed east of us. We just watched it move east, right on down south, away from us. Um, which is, you know, a strange thing. And probably they say, you know, the I-75 gets a lot of rain there. And so that was probably one of those storms that was moving right down the road, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Florida's, you know, you like that, you know, that system right off the coast there, too. They said it's not going to f- form a hurricane, but it is going to dump some rain on Florida and up in the Carolinas and, a little bit of Georgia, so that's always something to look forward to, I guess. But then there's what, what, two or three more waves coming off of Africa that is also they're not saying that they're going to develop anything right now. They say it's really low chances, but there's a lot of mouth are coming at us, and another thing that we're getting is dust from the Sahara Desert. That oh, yeah. is, you know, the sunsets are really pretty, but it's just, it's a weird, you can actually see the haze in the sky because of the dust from the Sahara. So, that's, uh, it's, it just seems weird to me, dust from the Sahara Desert here in Florida. It's just, uh, uh, the weather wind patterns blow right across us, and there it is. So, well, welcome to All About Wine. Uh, I <laughs> I got to tell you what happened. I'm sitting here putting the show together, getting my notes, leaving tabs open. And I do that all the time. I leave a whole bunch of tabs open because it's easier to click on a tab and get the story I want to talk to you about as opposed to trying to find it. And I make notes of uh, where things are and what what I want to say or what I want to look at. And it's, you know, compiled a bunch of different stuff here. Well, uh, my engineer stepped in the room and said something to me. And when she said that, my cat came in and ran in. And my cat loves to come in here and lay with me and look out the window while I'm on the computer. Well, she decided to walk across the keyboard and zap everything disappeared i don't know what key or what combination of keys she stepped on but it just it, it lost everything i i went oh my gosh this is and i asked my engineer i said what do we what happened and she said turn it off and reboot that's all you can do well turning it off and reboot definitely loses everything so this was about 20 till, 25 till. Mike and I hook up at a quarter till, so I had about 10 minutes to get stuff together. And I hope it's stuff that you find interesting because it was really quickly put together because of, thanks to my dear old cat, that decided to take a stroll across the keyboard. I don't know what key she stepped on the call set. I have no idea, but... She happened to get the right ones to cause me to lose everything. So, that being said, 
I do have stuff to talk about tonight. I do have a few things to pass on to you. And we'll uh, we'll start out. Let me see if I can find a good starting point here. And yes, I can. I know who I want to talk about first. Uh, well, maybe not. Oh, maybe it's in the All About Wine. Yes, it is. Henry River Winery. Haven't talked about them in a while. Uh, the 21st, tomorrow. No, last week. What is this? Why did this just pop up? Uh, hmm. Saturday the 22nd. Why did this just pop up on my email? Because it was brand new when I just found it. Well, you missed it. Henry River, the winery. That is located in Newberry, South Carolina. Uh, 1650 Dusty Road in Newberry, South Carolina. So if you're in South Carolina, look up Henry River Winery. That's E-N-O-R-E-E, Henry. Yes, just like Henry VIII. I, I asked him, and he said that's where they got the name. So it's just like Henry VIII. And, uh, so that's how it's spelled, Henry. So Henry River Winery. They always have stuff going on. I got this email and pulled it up, and it's for last Friday and Saturday. So I don't have anything new. Why did they do that? Hmm. Oh, well. Okay, so check them out. Uh, they, have all, uh, they have things going on continuously there. They have live music and uh, cheese parties and all sorts of different things happening. And they craft and bunch of stuff. Uh, always, always sign up for their email and they'll get it to you on time. Uh, sign up for the email at Henry River Vineyards and they'll get you up to date on that stuff. Okay, let me just wipe that out because I don't need that anymore. And let's see. Let's go back to this and okay, look on this. I'm sorry, I'm not real organized tonight because I had to scramble to get this stuff. Okay, uh, University of California has been doing a study on. Come on, Peter, load. And they're saying, do we need new grape varieties? Which was the question that they were putting out. Their thing starts out, companies like Baskin Robbins and Dunkin' Donuts stake their claims to fame by offering a wide variety of options. So, too, does the grape growing world. The Viticulture and Enology Department of the University of California, Davis, tackled that topic recently by asking, why do we need new grape varieties? And Professor Luis Diaz-Garcia was chosen to answer it. 
And he said, in California, we grow about 120 different varieties among the wine grape, table grape, and raisin producers. But only up to 10 of this, 120, makes up about 90% of the total production in the state. And if you consider the top 20, that would represent about 99% of the production across the 17 growing districts. So uh, there's <laughs> not a whole lot of different ones we're using. Uh, we have plenty of rootstock materials to work from, he said. So we can always do something else, but why do we need new ones? He says, as a, for instance, one of the more recent introductions came via the release of five new wine grape varieties from UC Davis. And I think I brought that up to you a couple of weeks ago. These are uh, the first time since 1980s that they have new varieties out, three reds and two whites. And these were bred to show resistance to Pierce disease. I've talked about Pierce disease a lot. Since people who have tasted the wine made from these grapes are impressed that they're resistant and they make a good wine. So he goes on and says that while some regional cultivars may mitigate climate changes, they may still be susceptible to disease and require repeated fungicide applications. As our understanding of things like wildfire smoke taint deepens, it's likely we can identify new genotypes to mitigate that damage. Genetics offers numerous opportunities for adaptation and innovation. The challenge lies in the time it takes to implement these changes, and it seems that progress is not happening fast enough. Well, if they've been working on grapes since 1980 and we're just now getting them out, I can understand that. Uh takes time to do that. Uh, it's not like fruit flies where you can have your test done in two weeks because of their quick life cycle. Grapevines take a while to do it. So to answer the question, do we need new grape varieties? Yeah, probably. It's going to have to come down the line because of the climate change and because of diseases out there and all that. So new grape varieties, if it is resistant, can probably help. And we can also use the native grapes, which wouldn't hurt anything if we uh, started to use uh, some uh, vitus repairs and vitus uh, astavillus and some of these others besides vitus vinifera. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here we go. This uh, this is something I thought was interesting. This is from the Sonoma County, California wine tasting blog, and it says the headline says Sonoma wine tasting prices up 11 percent countywide. And that's what, oh, geez, it always pops up these things. Whenever I pull this thing for Sonoma County wine tasting, it always gives me a bunch of pop-ups. 
it says that, and this is interesting, the entry-level price of a Sonoma wine tasting rose by 11% from an average of $36 in 2022 to $40 in 2023. Now, you know, this is the cost for wine tasting, just going in tasting. Adjusting for those cities with at least 15 wineries in the sample, we found the prices in Sebastopol increased the most, 27%. Oh, something just bled over on my headphones. Um, the most at 27 from an average of $37.36 in 2022 to forty-seven fifty in twenty twenty-three. Now this is average. I mean, this is you know, there's going to be a few below it, but there's going to be those that are higher. Uh, it says the, the actual increase of ten dollars is less than the price of one movie theater ticket or a quick service restaurant meal. Well, yeah, but that's the increase. That's not the overall thing. It says the study shows that wine tasting room prices still appear to be rising. <clears throat> Excuse me. Despite the Federal Reserve's attempt to tame inflation with interest rate hikes, uh, the second sharpest gains in the county were prices up 11% in the city of Sonoma and 9% in Hillsburg. Uh, the 2022 wine tasting report tracking prices before and after pandemic lockdown in California observed a 14% increase overall. Uh, a quick look at it, Geyserville, which is in northern part of the county, Sonoma County, didn't change. They're still right around $32 average for tasting. Heldsburg went from 33 up to 40. Sebastopol, 37 to 47. Santa Rosa, these are averages now. Uh, Santa Rosa from 49 to 48. Yes, they actually dropped an average of a dollar. Glen Ellen went from 25 to 38, and Sonoma went from 39 to 43. Uh, they're easing the reservation policies, though, so uh, most of the uh, so in 2022, only 15% of Sonoma wine tasting rooms accommodated walk-ins. But in 23, that rose to 26%. This is something about Napa and Sonoma and all that, too. You almost have to have reservations to go wine tasting. It's just, they uh, have really set some strange parameters up there. Uh Reservations versus walk-ins. Sonoma County saw a huge increase in wineries accepting walk-in customers from 15% to 26%, showing increased demand for spontaneous arrivals. So it is getting as expensive in Sonoma as it is in Napa to do a tasting. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a place you can check on the average price of tasting in Napa, but some tastings are running, I've heard, 75 to $100 if you just want to go in and do a tasting. Now, this is staggering to me. I just, I can't do that. I, 
you know, five dollars, ten dollars, fifteen, even twenty dollars, twenty-five. That's I, I can do that. But when you're starting to put a tasting fee of up to a hundred dollars, uh, I think I would prefer to go down the street and do a cheaper tasting span spend that hundred on wine but yeah that's just me and some of them don't even give you their their premium uh, wines at that tasting it's they, they cost extras just to do that so i i don't know if there's mike if you can find a site uh in your free time or if you can pull it up in your in your unlimited knowledge that you have there uh in your brain uh yeah i'm just curious what what it's costing for tastings in napa right now so we mentioned about do we need more grapes but here's uh i found there's a project going on to save indigenous grapes 1,800 viticulturists uh, are looking at saving uh, the American grape. There's uh, Chateau Neuf de Platte, Albania, Cloita, uh, Saguenay, Herbimont, uh, Delicatessen, uh, Mansonia, Lamanto, Munson Report, Norton, Norton. Lenore, Carmen, these are all uh, American grapes uh, from the uh, uh, the native grapes around the country. A uh, Missouri wine producer, Jerry Esterhold, says that his project is to preserve indigenous grape varieties. Now, this is from the Terravox Winery. And the Terravox Winery is the one that was uh, seriously involved in that seminar or that uh, uh, podcast that I was telling you about, about indigenous grapes. Uh, so I'm, I'm not hearing from those people. What is going on with my email that I'm not hearing from people and getting them late and all that? Uh, 200 years ago, uh, they said agriculture in general and grace protectors should be constantly evolving. But those 19th century viticulturists who blazed the trail and credited with helping develop rootstock plantings that combated the European phylloxera problem in the 1800s and is also known for classifying Native American grape varieties and finding unique wines. So... Uh, there's lots of varieties. Terravox Winery, T-E-R-R-A-V-O-X, Terravox Winery, uh, housed on 80 acres in Missouri, and a dozen acres grow 31 species of Vitus genus. These are a tremendous amount of genetic diversity. Uh, they say we're trying to follow Munson's great breeding philosophies. And Munson actually is the one that they were talking about. He's a, uh, did a lot of these grapes and did a lot of the work on them and follow up and all that. Uh, so uh, it says 
there's no reason to do anything. It's diversifying the gene pool. Uh, so they have 3,500 cases of lots of varieties that he produces annually. End up with a pallet of this or a couple of barrels of that. Uh, but he said, uh, how many of the vines that proliferated before European varieties showed up are headed for extinction because the preponderance of today's wines come from just one grape, Vitus vinifera. And today's production have been built specifically around that single source of grapes, he said. Climate change and consumer whimsy could change that. Uh, we actually talked to a guest on the show who was so adamant, I guess, about American grapes and the muscadines and that right, particularly the muscadines. He said that these are the greatest grapes. We should embrace our native grapes and we should try to, you know, sell those and promote those and all that. He was a big advocate of getting the American muscadines out there. So we have the ones that will do it. Uh, Esterhold is uh, owner of Terravox Winery, uh, says that we don't behave as others do. I want to show, I, I want to know what each of these cultivars has to say about how they want to grow and what they will produce. So... He said, where we have enough fruit to play with, we write a lot of debt and lots of production goes down the drain as not a good ambassador. So, uh, trying to save these native grapes and try to get those out there. Uh, says, many of the regional specialties didn't show up by accident, but were purposely developed. American crossbreeds like Alivara bred with two indigenous parents, so it came up with uh, the Alvara uh, grape. Most common one that we're used to is Norton. Norton is an American grape, and that's the one that you'll probably run across in most of the wineries. If you go through the Midwest, you'll find Norton wines available just about everywhere. And Norton comes in sweet and dry and red and pink and even a white Norton uh, I have seen and tasted, which was really weird because it did taste like the Norton red, but it was white. Um, there's all sorts of different configurations of the Norton grape. And it is resistant to Pierce disease, and it does grow a lot of places. I, there's a winery not too far from here that is growing the Norton grape. At least last time I talked to him last year, I don't think he's pulled it out or anything. So he's growing the Norton grape. So it grows just about everywhere. And it's not a bad wine, really. It's pretty good. It just, again, it depends on the winemaker and what he does with it. But Norton is a decent wine as far as I'm concerned. I like it. If you want more information about indigenous grapes and all that stuff, info at terravox.wine. 
not .org or anything, .wine, info, I-N-F-O, at Teravox, T-E-R-R-A-V-O-X, dot wine. And that will uh, get you to the site. And it's uh, we're going to talk about this. Uh, I've got the uh, tasting fees. Sorry. We're going to talk about this uh, native grapes and all that. I'm going to, I am going to get a hold of those guys that did that show, and we will talk about it because it was just too interesting not to get them on the show. Okay, I think I'm done with this page. I got and the uh, tasting too. If you've been this page. I don't think you can hear me. And uh, this is just a little quick information here. Actually, it's a it's a, a blog that is on. But uh, I just want to tell you about this. Uh, the uh, blog is 24 minutes long and it talks about all this but basically to sum it up RNA interference is the name of RNA interference which is known as RNAi with a small i is a biological process that leads to the silencing of gene expression silencing not splicing but silencing a lot of plant viruses are RNA viruses, which includes grapevine leaf rolls, associated virus, and grapevine red blotch virus. And these will kill your grapes, and you, you know, after growing, you get those. A Yin Win Cool. Uh, is assistant project scientist in the Department of Plant Pathology at the University of California, Davis. Has been doing some research into the RNAi in grapevines to target the virus. Uh, most people have heard of a double-stranded RNA, but they got double-stranded RNA sprays, which are intended to initiate RNAi, which will silence that gene that is responsible for leaf roll and virus and grapevine red blotch and stuff like that. The silence or uh, the challenge has been that double standard RNA breaks down quickly once it's outside. So the lab is working to improve this process and look for alternatives that will have a little impact on the ecology. So they're working on the double-strand RNA, which is associated with DNA, and spray it to eliminate grape viruses, which is really a good way to do it, a good idea, because it's just targeting grapes. It's not targeting anything else. It's all part of the grapevine itself. So, so. Uh, project is going on. It's uh, being researched now. I just thought that was rather interesting. So, all right, let me go. 
to the next one here. Oh. <laughs> We've talked about canned wines quite a few times on the show. Well, they just had a canned wine uh, can oh, Jesus I am my I just got a total and complete blank oh my god uh, a can wine uh, competition and th- this is the fifth annual one where did I see that it was just the fifth annual one uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, the fifth annual Can Wine competition was held in Boonville, California. Fifth annual. I had never heard of the first three. The article says, can we momentarily ban all the snide remarks and misconceptions about wine in the can? And that's really basically what you need to do. Different sizes and shapes. Uh, one, some of the cans look like beer cans, some look like soda cans, and uh, some are actually made by a beer brewer. Odell Brewing Company in Fort Collins, Colorado, is looking at expanding its canification, as it is written here. 350 milliliter contains the equivalent of a half a bottle of wine. So you can finish it quicker and one person can enjoy it without having to worry about the bottle. Uh, some are short cans, some are tall cans, some are uh, 250 mils, some are 185 uh, mils, some are 350 mils. It just depends on who's making it and all that. 23 canned wine winners. Uh, Nicole Nash, or Walsh, I'm sorry, Nicole Walsh of Sear Wines, S-E-R, Sear Wines, took the best of show rosé for her Maker Wine 2022 Rosé of Grenache. She's from Monterey, California, wine range is in that area, and again, won the fifth annual best of the show rosé. Uh... A Alan Green, who is the owner of the world's largest collection of canned wines, uh, going back to the middle of the 20th century, and the competition awarded 69 gold medals out of 230 entries submitted by 62 producers. This year, there were wines from the Netherlands. Now, these are all canned wines, mind you. The Netherlands, Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, Germany, Austria, Luxembourg, Great Britain, Switzerland, Romania, Japan, South Africa, Chile, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and then all over the United States. Wow. When I first read that, I said, no, it can't be right. All these countries are producing canned wines, but yeah, it's this... It's, I think, almost exciting that everybody is getting into the 
to the canned wine market. Excuse me, let me take a sip. Not wine. I've got a I've got a soda tonight. I was working out in the yard all day today and I'll have a wine with dinner, but not tonight. Okay. Two best of show white wines. Bridge Lane Wine, non-vintage Chardonnay from New York State, and Jolie Farm 2022, a noble blend from British Columbia, Canada. The best of the show, Rosé, was the one I just told you. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Yes, it is. Best of the show, Rosé. Best of the show, Red Wine, a Dejus 2022 Chilled Red from Montepolicino, Italy. Best of show, Sparkling Wine, Bridge Lane Wine, non-vintage Bubbles Rosé from New York State. And best of show, Spritzer. Hmm. Off Piste Wines, P-I-S-T-E, Piste, Piste. Uh, Piste Wines Limited, a 2022 Pinot Grigio Spritzer from Western Cape, South Africa. Uh, the uh, Riot Wine Company of Australia got seven gold medals. They were the winner of the most gold medals. Uh, and Bridge Lane Wine from New York's Long Island got two Best of Show awards. Both of those were 250 milliliter cans. Uh, so, let's see, what does it say? It talks about the cans a little bit here. Aluminum cans are small and weigh a lot less than a bottle. Three 250 milliliter cans weigh just 791 grams versus 1,406 grams for a typical 750 milliliter of wine in a standard glass bottle. That saves a ton in shipping cost. It's less wasteful and reduces the amount of glass that goes into a landfill. It goes on to say it's a sad fact that two-thirds of U.S. counties don't even recycle glass. Percent of glass bottles end up at the local dump. And I'm sad to say that I'm a big person for recycling. That's not what I'm sad to say. I'm sad to say that this county does not recycle glass. They said they have no market for it, and so they don't want glass. We toss glass in the garbage, and then all recycled stuff goes into the recycle bin, but no glass. Uh, Let's see. It says... uh, there's all sorts of message. There's all sorts of things in cans. Some of you can have big, please recycle me on it and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, it is all over the world. And for those who whine about the death of corks, wine mode has a not-so-subtle message. The pleasure of uncorking a bottle of wine can easily be replaced by the hissing noise and the clink 
when you open a can of wine mode. Same wine, even better sensation. The art of wine pleasure. So listen for the hiss, not the pop of the cork. We might have to change that little, we got a thing on our studio page of the cork pulling out. We might have to add a hiss of a can opening. Which one over here that I think of the old advertisement? Bush in the, the hiss of the beer. But the fifth annual wine competition. Uh, fifth annual. We'll look for the sixth annual. This is this was just held last week, so this is yeah. Hmm. Yeah, last week. So we'll look for it next year at the end of the uh, end of uh, July. Uh, the First Circuit Court of Rhode Island has been debating direct-to-consumer shipping. And it's it's a long article, uh, long article here. I read the thing. And they're the same old, same old arguments and stuff like that. Uh, it uh, says here, the 21st Amendment, which ended prohibition, gives the states broad latitude to regulate liquor sales. So the rule is that if a state's law has a discriminatory effect, the state must show that it's necessary for public health and safety, which U.S. Circuit Judge Bruce Selma admonished the Attorney General by saying, you can't seriously dispute there's this discretionary uh, discriminatory effect. He said, then the the Attorney General says it's clear that the law treats out-of-state retailers differently, which they do. You know, you you it's in so many states you can't ship into the state, and you have to, you know, certain areas, and it's the whole thing is messed up. It really is. They need to go into the Twenty-first uh, Amendment and put a couple things caveats onto the end of that. And it would be better. But it went on to argue back and forth who complained. And, uh, you know, uh, the suit was rejected by uh, uh, U.S. District Court in September 2022. But then that was one filed in October 2019. And it says it bans out of the Out-of-state shipments is banned in every state except Alaska, Connecticut, Florida, Louisiana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oregon, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Those have, you know, you can order and get wine sent to you directly right to your front door. Uh, in those states, but uh, problem that they run across is that uh, you know they're always arguing that kids can do it, and this is what it is, and and all sorts of silly stuff. I mean, my engineer 
gets, she likes black box wine. And, and, you know, good for her. She drinks enough of it that it's it's inexpensive. And she orders it from Walmart uh, along with a few other things. And they deliver it. And they have to check her ID and all that stuff because it's alcohol. And proof of delivery age is required in almost everywhere. But this is it's standard. It's, it's right there. But most of the places, you know, you always hear stories about them dropping wine off to the front door, just setting it by the garage door, any number of things like that without the actual signature. And that's not the winery's fault. And that's not the law's fault and all that stuff, that's the driver's fault. If they do that, then they are not doing the proper procedures. Uh, somebody has to be home. If someone of age isn't home, they have to take it back. You go pick it up. There's all sorts of stuff. I went through this with the winery when we shipped. I It was unbelievable, some of the hassles that we had uh, because of the, the laws in different areas, which... Yeah, that's just the way it is, which you have to deal with. And, but one of the complaints was that they didn't ship. I got a a, a letter. I can't remember. I got a letter from somebody said that uh, ID wasn't checked on a delivery of one of my wines. And I go, well, then that's not my fault. I mean, you know, what? What's the big thing? You know, I mean, they said, well, you should be checked on everybody. And I started to follow up to it. And it was a lady that was in her 70s. And you walk up to the door and you look at this lady and say, here's your wine. And she goes, thank you very much. And the driver walks away. He's not going to check an ID. Well, it wasn't noted in his pad. You know, the UPS driver didn't, didn't note it in his pad that he checked the ID and all that because it was so obvious and it was it was a waste of time for everybody i mean you know i spent 20 minutes on the whole thing reading it and calling them up and finding out what's going on and getting an answer but uh, i'll get off the soapbox for that but the i read this article and it's all the same argument i mean it's you know kids are going to do it uh, and the liquor stores are complaining because they are going to lose out on business, and uh, distributors are complaining, which is usually the biggest uh, thing. Uh, like they said in this thing, the distributors have a stranglehold, and they're hamstringing the consumers because the distributors, you know, put in the stores what they want, and so. He said, uh, it's going to boil down to the stuff that the liquor stores don't carry is the ones that people are going to be buying, you know. And it says, the guy here says, if this bill passes, people aren't going to be buying big shipments of Sutter home, which they might because it's reasonably priced and there's some good wines there. But just another same old, same old argument, same old, same old thing from the states. And it's just, it gets old it really does okay consumer perception of 
lighter bottles. They're saying that uh, this is the big thing now. Will a consumer embrace the lighter bottles? Uh, I don't see why not myself. It's... Well, it's uh, uh, a separate session. Excuse me. Separate session on sustainable wine retailing. President Grace Vineyards, uh, President of Grace Vineyards, Judy Chan, said that using lighter wine bottles was a particular challenge in China, but that was due to their lack of availability and desirability. You can't find lighter bottles in China. The bottles you find in China are heavy. That's why the producer is buying, because that's what the market likes. And for us to import it, lighter bottles, price-wise, it doesn't make sense. We can't afford it. So they got these heavy bottles. Uh, little Jackson Family Wines, and you all are familiar with Jackson Family Wines, they say the top 10 sources of emission are glass bottles at 17.5, purchase grapes at 10.5%, truck distribution 8%, vineyard soil emissions 7.4%, agricultural diesel 5%, employee commute 3.8%, gasoline 4%, cardboard boxes 4%, upstream fuel emissions 3.6%, and intermodule distribution 4%. These are all the things that cost but the bottom line is here they have lighter bottles and people overall from this era people aren't embracing them they're they are feeling something's not right when they're picking up bottles and I've talked about paperboy bottles and stuff like that and people get them just because they're unique but they're not buying a second go-around of it. I mean, they get them the first time to get on the shelf. Oh, look at this. This is new. This is neat. And they take it home. They try it. Uh, and, you know, it's the same thing with cans and bag in a box. And glass is still basically the choice for people. And it's regardless of what's in the container, it could be the exact same wine as in the other containers, but people still are leery of a lighter container, and so therefore it is avoided, which is really sad. Um, let's see. Let me, let me find this other one here. Okay. Ron Rubin Winery has came out with a new wine bottle made from 100% recycled materials from within the United States. And it's called the Blue Bin. They're saying it's the first premium sustainable wine packaged in a full 750 milliliter bottle made from 100% recycled material that is also 100% recyclable. Hmm, there you go. They say, working in partnership with the Amcor, uh, 
global leader in responsible packaging, Blue Bin has customized plant-friendly bottles that are designed to be smaller, lighter, shatterproof, and fully recyclable, introducing wine to the places it used to not go, like campsites, boats, the pool, and the beach. So, it uh, was well, his glass used to account for 30% of wine's carbon footprint. And less than 30% of wine bottles in the U.S. are actually recycled. I know, that's, that's so sad. Uh, they were searching for an alternative. So, wine Rubin, uh, Ron Rubin Winery conducted a two-year assessment of packaging and found that 100% Recyclable blue bin bottle is lined, or found that the people will accept this. Uh, it's lined with a Plasmax, which is an ultra-thin protective layer of glass to ensure the wine's taste and quality. So the bottle itself is light, but the inside is a thin layer of glass. I don't see how all that can be recyclable. No. Designed to be recyclable, Blue Bin is produced and bottled by Ron Rubin Winery, one of only 33 certified B Corporation wineries in the world. Each wine has the certified green seal, verifying sustainable farming, which emphasizes environmentally and socially responsible practices. Blue Bin is now available in four 2022 vintage varieties. They got the Vin Rosé, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. You can learn more about it by going to their website. And it says the premium 100% recyclable bottle and the brand's commitment to healing the planet and leading the wine industry to 100% sustainability. So you can check that at uh, ronrubinwinery.com. Good idea. And so is a lot of other bottles that are out there that are able to do the... Uh, uh, I'm trying to find something else here other, that are better than glass. Glass is heavy, and it's not recyclable, and it's expensive, and the cost is passed on to you it is passed on to you. So why not embrace another alternative? I, it's just, but, yeah, that's the way people are. Uh, there's new requirements and new calls for wineries selling to New Mexico c consumers which is going to raise the price to you. Uh, scientific breakthrough could be game-changing fighting against grapevine disease. I think I've done these. Oh, yeah, here's one. 80% of wines entered in a competition come away with awards. We talked about how silly is my word. How silly that it is. Uh, let's see. Is this an impression wine company? 
And uh, well, thirty billion dollar boost to wine spending from inflation. Oh my gosh. Uh, wine off-premise consumer spending has jumped way up, and it's $30 billion this uh, this fiscal year that just ended. Wow. Uh, that's staggering. Uh, let's see. Let's go. There's one more thing I want to talk about. Let me find it here. Jeez, I'm having a hard time finding stuff. I could say the tabs are usually open, but my dear sweet kitty decided to take a stroll across my keyboard. And that was it. Well, maybe it's on this here. It's number one. Oh, no, that's not in. Uh, well, geez, I don't know. I can't find it. It's about certification, regenerative certification. And oh, where is it? Tablas Creek? Oh, here we go. This is where I can end tonight's show with. It's um, Tablas Creek. I've, I get there blog, T-A-B-L-A-S, Tablas Creek. They're located in uh, uh, where are they located? I think they are in California. Sonoma? Yeah, Sonoma. Paso Robles? No. Uh, located in Sonoma. But Tablas Creek, I told you about uh, when they went to Regenerative Organic Certified. Uh, Regenerative Organic uh, Alliance's pilot program, and Tablas Creek became the first Regenerative Organic Certified vineyard in the world. And they have been trying to promote their current membership to this, to the alliance, is 14 vineyards from around the world. And he said it includes, it includes wineries in California, Oregon, Chile, and Argentina, with interest from other wineries around the world uh, at a very high level. He, uh, uh, Ian Consoli, who worked for Tablas Creek, says he recently took a trip around Napa and Sonoma and Mendocino for a week to talk to the wineries that are looking to be organically and or are already uh, regenerative organic certified. And the wineries include Donum Estates, D-O-N-U-M, Donum Estates, uh, located in Canaris, uh, Gergich, uh Hills, always have problem pronouncing that, G-R-G-I-C-H, Gergich, I guess. Gergich Hills, they're 
in Napa, and uh, the, actually the vineyard is just are these uh, uh, winery is celebrating its hundredth anniversary this year. Uh, wow, uh, they're located in American Canyon, actually, uh, which is uh, east of uh, Napa. Not too far east, but east of Akron, Kirkich. National Medlock Ames. This was established in 1998. Uh, a couple of college friends, Chris Medlock James and Ames Morrison, started it. And they are organic. And they're located in... I don't know. Let me check and see here. Medlock Ames... Um, Oh, Bell Mountain Ranch, uh, north of Windsor in uh, Sonoma. And Truett Hurst, uh, he is organic and biodynamic and also regenerative agriculture. And so they have jumped into it with both feet, uh, doing everything there. Uh, they're located in uh, Sonoma, North Sonoma, Mendocino yet? No, I don't think so. And Bontira. I also get a lot of emails from Bontira. Bontira is located in Mendocino uh, at the old Fetzer property that was called McNabb Ranch. And now it's... Uh, Bontura has uh, bought it and is farming it, and they are, uh, I, I think they are organic, but are they biodynamic? I guess not. They are regenerative organic, but I don't think they're biodynamic. They're organic. So, uh, they... Uh, Ventura has some pretty neat prices. They have their ROC Chardonnay and Cabernet uh, on the market, and they sell them for a two-pack on their website for $40, which is really 20 bucks a piece for those. That's a really good price. I've had them, and they're fantastic. So uh, it, uh, Regenerative Organic Certified. That's, uh, they're saying that this is the wave of the future for wines. Uh, being more earth conscious and being more earth conscious in the final product of what you're getting. So, you know, look for those designations on the bottle. I don't know what the the label looks like with that. I can't recall. I've seen it, but I can't recall. But those are always good wines to try and always good wines to support because they are doing what they can to help the environment and put out good wines and without a big footprint. So there you go. Mike, did you mm -hmm. find any tasting calls for Napa? Yes, I did. I, did uh, I don't know if you can hear me or not. Can you hear me? Are you there? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think you can hear me. Um, I did actually find some. No, Ron cannot hear you. Okay. <laughs> he has a little note here. I don't think Ron can hear me. No, I can't. 
Well, okay. I'll tell you well, what. Everybody, I can't hear you, but I can't leave you yet. Uh, <laughs> what I'm going to do is give you a little music for a couple seconds here. I think. Yeah, it was playing. I can't hear the music either. Huh. something with my receiving in here for some reason uh, so I'm going to turn off the music and I'm going to let Mike say goodbye to you and I'll say goodbye to you now thanks for listening we'll see you next week and be safe out there and I'll let Mike go ahead and close it out because I can't hear anything there we go Have a good week, everybody. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry. And, of course, I would pick the wrong video. (laughs) This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archived shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Take us to the green and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Okay. Still can't hear me. Wow. Interesting. Uh, See you all next week. See you next week, too, Mike. Have a good week. We'll talk to you then. Sister.